It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Welcome in. It's another installment of J.C. and Morgan, number 192. If you're scoring at home, he's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan, VSPN, the SEC Network. We are uh, continuing with our hit parade of guests here, that time of year where we love to chat with some of the uh, latest and greatest that cover college football, that eat it, that uh, breathe it, smell it, live it. Uh, and Tom Lukenbill qualifies. One of the few members of the multi-guest uh, performance. This is an encore. We haven't had Lugs on in a couple of years. Very few make it to the two-timer club, Lugs, so you're already a a distinguished honorary member. Congratulations on that. Wear your crown proudly. Oh, I will. And But now I'm a little concerned that I didn't come on a few months after. It's been a few years. Well, so you're like, a busy what, man. What does that say? You're a, you're a busy man. I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I, have to, I have to weigh, okay, how much <laughs> does the guest really want to do this? Because you talk for a living. You don't just you know, analyze and, and work games on Saturdays. you got Sirius XM shows and you're all over recruiting. And I'm like, I don't want to bother Lugs and be somebody else asking to get his two cents on this, that, and the other. And I don't take rejection well. So if you would have said no to this, <laughs> I might have just quit the whole damn thing. So Thank goodness I didn't. Yes. <laughs> you, you said yes for mankind. You didn't do it for me. You said it for the, uh, the audience. For the people. Houses. Yeah. And the people. We're all about yeah. the people, and, and I like to think about the kids as, as well. <laughs> um, yeah, we were just talking before we signed on. You know, spring ball has come and gone. Uh, I had the Tar Heels of Drake, Maine, and I had uh, the LSU one, which is weird because they're replaying it now on the SEC Network. So. <laughs> which is also weird because that was my two spring games last year. Are you serious? I did not North know that. North Carolina and LSU. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and I did. I, I lived the life of Lugs for, for one day. I had the wireless mic and roamed the field while calling it with Aaron Murray. It's something I've never done, and I, it was a really cool experience. I actually enjoyed it. I would never do it other than a spring game uh, because you obviously do sacrifice some of the things, your your viewpoint. You're not necessarily sure. as sharp and everything. But, uh, you know, you've, you've been doing that now. You transitioned from the booth where you and I did a couple games together many moons ago to being the sideline field analyst, which is kind of a new role uh, that a lot of networks are doing. And I think if, if it's the right person can be exceptional, uh, an exceptional addition to the broadcast. And I would include you in that. Have you, have you really embraced it now? I know you still love being just the, the true color analyst in the booth, but have you embraced that role? You know, I really have. Uh, I just completed my 10th year doing it. And, you know, I was kind of the original guinea pig, if you will. When that whole thing started, I was actually broadcasting high school games on Thursday and Friday nights. And one of our our executives, our bosses came to me and said, hey, we're looking at doing this. You know, we're, we want to call it a field analyst role. We want somebody with a coaching background and a football background. We're going to put them on the field and open up the mic and, you know, figure out a way to interact with the booth. And so I would get like called. They'd be like, Hey, uh, after you're at this game on Thursday, could you get to such and such and do Auburn, Arkansas? 
we want to try it with this crew. And then could you go to this game, you know, two weeks later, we want to try it with this crew. And so here we are, you know, 11, 12 years later. And to say I've embraced it, yes, I've embraced it because it's unique. Um, it's put me on a higher level game each and every week. You know, we're, we're a top four crew at our company. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I, what I've learned is that it doesn't work if the play-by-play guy and the analyst in the booth don't buy in. Right. Because if you let ego get involved, then the role of the field analyst is going to disappear because the, the guys in the booth will, will block it out. Right. And I've been very fortunate with Dave Pash for 10 years. Uh, initially, it was Brian Greasy. Then it was Greg McElroy for, full year, uh, for four years. Dusty Dvorak now the last two. And they all get it, right? Like they just, they, they get it. And it's, um, I think it's a great interaction. It's a different perspective. It's a counter to what's being seen and said from the booth level down to the field level and, and, you know, the sights and the sounds and the things I'm able to pick up on that I can lend to the broadcast is unique because you're not going to get that from their perspective. And then what they can lend from a bird's eye view is, is a, is, you know, a vantage point that I don't have. So we've kind of tried to marry the thing together and, and make it sound as true to a three man booth as we can. Is there any game that stands out in the last few years for you because like you said you're working some some pretty premier games mm-hmm. um that is the, the you know the advantage that you have with with that crew with that assignment uh anyone that stands out no i don't know if there's anyone that stands out they all tend to blend together right yeah, um sure we've had some you know it, it's interesting um, you know, everybody kind of talks about the, the New Year six bowls as being like the, the, the bowls you want to be assigned to, right? Like you want to be assigned to one of one of those bowls. And there's validity to that. But then there's also this bowl in Orlando called the Citrus Bowl, right? And that game, a lot of people don't realize that game kicks off at noon on ABC and leads into a playoff game and will outrate from a viewership standpoint half of the New Year six games. Mm-hmm. And the 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 opponents, like for example, we had it a few years back, and we had Alabama and Michigan. Wow! Now you talk about fan base viewership. Yeah, you know, and so I think sometimes I think about like the the windows that we're in, and the you know, anytime you get an LSU game at night, like you know that, like sure. it's, I mean, if it's against a ranked opponent, those are always big to me. Um, you know, I've kind of really just enjoyed. Um, being able to be in all the different venues that you hear people talk about. Like you hear people talk about Camp Randall and you're like, Wisconsin, what's so great? And then you go to Madison and you go to a game there and you're like, okay, I get it now, right? And um, one of the most underrated places, if not the most underrated home field advantage in all of college football is Husky Stadium in Seattle. A lot of people wouldn't probably realize that unless they've been yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and so I think it's not so much the games. I think it's the it's the venues, it's the cities, right. it's the towns, and then just the commitment on behalf of those fan bases. Man, it's freaking ridiculous everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome, and, and that's where when you're at a great venue like that, that's where I wish I could trade places with you because you don't get that total feeling when you're in a booth broadcast right you're in a press box it's not the same as when you're actually on the field you can look up at 90,000 whatever it is fans and really let it all soak in um 
Luke's one of the things I love about when you do the the radio show, you're you're really unfiltered. Um, and, and we've had your your cohort on this podcast as well. You and Barrett, I think, do a great job when you. I, I'm assuming you guys oh, are still thank together. You. Yeah, no, yeah. I really enjoy that. Uh, I I mean, <laughs> I I won't spend time telling you about the shows. I I really get nothing out of, but that's one that I truly uh enjoy, and I, I feel like it's it's the right tone and it's the right amount of opinion and fact and everything else and speaking of opinions i what i love about listening to you whenever you're on is kind of it's it's almost like a state of the union on college football you've always got you i mean you played you coached your dad's a coach i know you have a lot of uh, opinions on the portal nil everything where we are uh <laughs> and, and i i'm sure you get this too every coach i talked to last year and it continued with mac brown in the spring game and uh, of course, coach Kelly at LSU, like there are deep, deep concerns and complaints about what is going on. We just had the Colorado spring game stole the headlines, right? ESPN ran it and it's Dion. And, and then the moment after that, it's like, and here's another couple dozen players leaving the program in the portal. Uh, Talk about a buzzkill moment. What the hell are we doing? Where are we going? Well, JC's been in this realm longer than I have, and and he will mm. probably echo this sentiment in in regards to legislation as it relates to intercollegiate athletics. We have essentially taken the most transformative legislation of the last forty five years of major athletics and dumped it on the lap of everybody without a single notion of how to identify it, how to police it, how to enforce it, how to govern it, okay? And don't kid yourselves. I feel for the coaches in some ways, but they they created this, right? And and there there is there is into it up to their eyeballs as as possible. Because coaches live in a gray area, right? So if you give them something that looks gray from a rules perspective or you give them no rules at all, what do you think they're going to do, right? And not all programs are created equal. That's the thing in all of this. When when you decide to unleash name, image, and likeness, add an extra year of eligibility, right? And then you have the transfer portal. And all of those things are lumped together, and they all get dumped on the lap of everybody. Alabama is going to navigate that better than Middle Tennessee State. Clemson's going to be able to navigate that better than Vanderbilt. Like, there, there's no – everybody thinks, oh, this is going to be great. It could create some parity and it could close the gap. No, it's not. It's going to widen the gap. It's going to make it worse because those programs can't keep up. You know, like how much respect do we all have for Chris Kleiman in Kansas State? How is he supposed to compete with Oklahoma and Texas in name, image, and likeness? You you, you can't. And so I think um, – and you know what? Let's let's specifically touch on Colorado here. And I'd like to get JC's thoughts on this because I was on uh, radio yesterday about this, you know, all of the guys jumping in the portal and, and so on and so forth. First of all, number one, people do not realize how bad Colorado's roster was when he got there. Okay, when he got there. Now, you can take Travis Hunter and you can take Shador Sanders and maybe Dylan Edwards and, and you've added some nice components, right? If you look at the transfer portal right now and who's in it, 
outside of Bear Alexander and maybe Tyler Buckner, there's not a player in the transfer portal that's better than the guys that left Colorado. Who are they going to replace them with? How are they supposed to get from now to August and have, number one, 85 scholarship players, because they're not going to have that, and number two, have a better roster than the one they left spring football with? It's impossible. Now, I hope Deion Sanders has a plan. He better have a plan because you're not going to be able to replace all those guys, and you're certainly not going to be able to do it with an upgrade. And what's the whole point of the transfer portal? To upgrade your roster, right? I mean, at the end of the day. And so this Colorado thing, I know all those people showed up for spring football, and, and that's fantastic. It's going to happen when they're 2-10. and 10. You know, what's going to happen when, if they were to start off? Because their schedule is not easy. It is not easy. And so um, that thing just might take a little bit longer than I think. I don't I don't know, not even Dion, if you can just wave a magic wand and have that thing fixed overnight. And over the last 72 hours, I'm more convinced you can. Well, the roster's completely gutted, Tom. And it's like, you're right. The portal is not what we'd call stacked right now. No. Uh, and, and and I don't think – I think what Dion wants to do is go get – you know, poach blue chippers and things like that. You know, like I, I follow South Carolina pretty closely. The Gamecocks beat Clemson mm-hmm. last year uh, with a transfer from East Tennessee State, a transfer from James Madison, and a transfer from Wingate. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and 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 there's schools like that that I think use some ingenuity and, and do get kids out of the lower levels that come and make an impact that you don't hear about. I don't think that's the plan uh, for Tim Brewster and 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 Deion Sanders and those guys. I think they want to go get dudes. Uh, real dudes, and, and there's just not any dudes out there, and so that's no. uh, uh, and, and I mean, their best player on the field the other day offensively, uh, I think, uh, the receiver in the spring game just up in the money is Craig, yeah, yeah and he, I'm he, like, wow, you know, and, and you mentioned Bear Alexander, well, where's he going? He's going to Southern Cal, you know, yeah. and you mentioned uh, Tyler Buckner, and this is my question for you here because some news just came across Tyler Buckner is visiting Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, that quarterback situation down at Alabama it, it has intrigued me all spring. Didn't seem like there was a guy that came out ahead between Milrow and Simpson. Yeah. Now here comes Tyler Buckner, who, who I think is a pretty good player. Um, you know, had a pretty good Gator Bowl and uh, was the starter at Notre Dame at the beginning of last year before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that maybe impact that uh, that battle uh, if he does follow his offensive coordinator to Tuscaloosa? Do, do you see him? Uh, maybe starting over those two guys. Well, he brings experience. He's played, and I think that's something Nick Saban would value. That's the that's the downside to you know you've got to you've got to look at the last two to three iterations of the quarterback position at Alabama. There was a, a rotation of Tua, Jalen, then transition to to Bryce. Guys had played some. Now you got Jalen Milrow outside of the Arkansas game, and, and Ty Simpson, who hasn't really played at all. If you're looking at Tyler Buckner, you can at least sit there and say, oh, this guy's played meaningful snaps. Um, you do have to ask yourself, is he is he an upgrade? Is he better than what we currently have? Uh, because I, I think it was very clear that Sam Hartman is going to be the guy at Notre Dame. So Tyler Buckner is looking to go somewhere mm-hmm. where he feels like he can start. I can promise you Nick Saban's not promising him that. That's just not how Nick Saban operates. So he's either going to hear what he wants to hear or hear, hear what he doesn't want to hear and then make his decision based on, on, on that. Uh, but I don't, you know, Nick Saban's not going to do that. So I, I do think he's talented. 
I think he's a kid that's got a lot of upside. He did not get to play his senior year in high school because of COVID. So there's, there's, there's some development there that still needs to happen. I, I kind of felt like when he did play that he's one of those guys that doesn't deal with uh, or hasn't dealt with uh, a mistake very well. He seems to let it linger with him, and he doesn't respond or rebound quick. It seems to kind of stay with him. Man, that may be a maturity thing that I think he's got to get that he's got to get past. But you know, you're you're right. You just mentioned Buckner, Bear Alexander, and I was going through the list yesterday, and I'm I'm seeing guys. Well, I'll give you a prime example. Um, the two Barrington brothers at BYU that transferred to Baylor. All right, mm-hmm. one of those guys, one of them might be a first rounder. The other one's probably going to get drafted, right? So they lose two of their best offensive linemen to the portal, and they replace them. All right. They replace him with a guy from Utah State, Missouri State, all right, and Utah, which is fine. Okay, that that's fine. But you, what you're hoping to do, right? Oh, and then Caleb Etienne, but I'm, I'm not a big Caleb Etienne fan from Oklahoma State. What you're hoping to do is go into the portal when you lose somebody and get a player that isn't going to be very much of a drop-off. And the guarantees of that are almost zero, like it's 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 yeah. if you're USC right now, they're so devoid of talent up front on the defensive side, uh, they could have taken Kangaroo Alexander. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, the Bear Alexander is just flat out better than what they are playing with. That's a huge addition for SC because of their their lack of talent and depth of position. But that's been that's the exception right now in the transfer portal, not the norm. What's the vertical leap on Kangaroo Alexander? High. Yeah, pretty high. Uh, yeah. I think I think he'll perform well at the combine in that area. Hell of a box, hell of a boxer too. Hell of a boxer <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to mess around with kangaroo in the ring, uh, no doubt about it. Um, so with that being said, and, I, and I'm talking to to two guys that have been at the upper echelon of of following recruiting for years. One thing I noticed broadcasting these two spring games in, in years past, guys, I would be like all excited about talking about the the four-star freshman that's going to get a chance to show off his stuff, the early enrollee in the spring, and yeah. know what the focus was. And, and the games that we did, and I think most of the ones that I watched on TV, it's, okay, what transfer guy out of the portal is going to make an impact? And let's take a, get a, a fresh look at him in a new uniform. In other words, would it be safe to say now, to, to build on your point, Luke's, the 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 schools. If you're not one of those upper echelon, if you're not one of those elite, you mm-hmm. are serving as a feeder program for the elite schools. Because if you do really well, they're going to pluck you out of the portal. They're going to offer you yeah. more money with NIL, and so this vicious cycle that some people thought would stop, and like you said, more parity with NIL, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. It's absolutely getting worse, and it will continue to get worse. And I feel for those FCS and group of five coaches that are damn fine coaches and, and even better evaluators because they're not getting college ready guys, right? They're having to project. And then they bring this guy in, they fight and battle their peers for him. They get them, they bring them in, they feed them, they get them bigger, they get them stronger, they get them faster. Next thing you know, the guy's a red shirt sophomore. He's got two years of eligibility and he's first team all conference. And he has now going into the transfer portal and he played at East Carolina and now he's going to have opportunities to go play at Michigan, right? And it's like, what do you tell that coach? Like, what do you tell that, that, that program? Because those programs don't recover from that, right? Like, 
you can lose Christian Wilkins at Clemson and you're playing with Tyler Davis. All right. You just hit the ground running and off you go. You lose a first team FCS All-American or a first team all-conference guy or a double all-conference guy in the Sun Belt. That next guy is not the same guy. Mm-hmm. You're a developmental program. So it's not like you just plug plug and play like the big boys do. And that's that's got to be awfully frustrating. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. I wanted to, we just took a trip to, to negative town. I hate doing it. I promised myself I'm never going to talk NIL and portal, but I can't help it. it it's just <laughs> because it, it just, it dominates the sport right now. Uh, yeah. It's unavoidable. And Tom's Tom's ah. take is awesome on, on the whole thing. You know, I mean, right. so that's, uh, it's a function I, of guest. I, I, I gotta be honest with you guys. And, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this sincerely. I want to come back on with you. And, and spend about an hour and, and really kind of go through some of these things. And I'm sorry yep. we're short today. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I will say this about name, name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness is based off of two things right now. Your value as a player and if you have any type of value on social media because you have a presence or you have, you know, a talent on social media. Okay. So everybody wants to get paid, Right. What they don't realize is the only way you make money in name, image, and likeness is by being a productive football player. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, everybody wants, oh, well, so and so is offering me this. Did you ain't played a snap? What are you talking about? Like, right. you, you want to get paid for doing absolutely nothing. That's not the real world. And the problem with them, name, image, and likeness right now, guys, is you can't put performance clauses in the contracts because they're not employees. Right. So right. what you contract a guy to like Miles Brennan at LSU? Miles Brennan decides I'm not going to play football anymore. You still got that NIL deal? Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it's like that's not reality. It's not something for nothing. Like you take a, a Bryce Young. Bryce Young's worth whatever anybody wanted to pay him. You want to know why? Because he freaking produced. Mm-hmm. Right? You take DJ Uyangale. Who's more disappointed in him, Dabo Sweeney or Dr. Pepper? <laughs> yeah. They didn't exactly okay. get return on investment on that one. Right. So where's the return? Derek King, uh, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. All of it backfired. It all backfired. Like mm-hmm. we we've put this cart before the horse and it's maddening. And I and I just think that uh, we've gone down a path that you can't put the pace back in the tube. And and I'm all for guys earning based off of their name, image, and likeness, but your name, image, and likeness has to be founded in something. Well, right. what is that? It's production actually perform and you know what when they get in the real world one day and you guys all know this we all know this we have to perform right right bottom line we got to perform and in the real world i'm not signing you to a one-year deal giving you a bunch of money so you can hit the portal and go for the next best offer in the real world i've got you for multiple years and you can't just get up and leave when you feel like it that's what the nfl is that's what the real world is um closing closing minute or two here Give me something positive that you're looking forward to. Give me something you're excited about. You're jacked up about about the 2023 season. Um, I, I'm really excited to see. I love when we have seasons kick off where there's fresh faces at the quarterback position for marquee programs. I always find that so intriguing, mm-hmm. right? So Ohio State, right? Um, Alabama, okay. Um, Georgia. Right. I mean, these these are this is going to be fun to watch 
um, these programs that have had such a luxury of outstanding quarterback play, what do they do? Like, are, are, do they hit the ground running? Do they struggle for a while? Who knows? Okay. I, I will I will leave you with this as I look at the backdrop of your uh, camera. I am with you. Jaws is the number one movie of all time. Shawshank Redemption, not far behind. And number two, I think we can all agree, America is clamoring for another Morgan Luganville Mac matchup in November. So I look yeah. forward to seeing you at uh, Eastern Michigan when they take on the Chippewas of Central Michigan. As long as it's in Ypsilanti and not, uh, uh, what do you call it, Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. <laughs> All right. Oh. If, the, if the bosses are listening, take note of that. Uh, we've got we've got location uh, re- requirements to make sure that happens. Luke's always a pleasure, man. And we'll take you up on that offer. Next time we'll go unplug. Let's do it. Full hour. Yeah. Let you just rip, man. Let you just rip because I think you're as good as anybody when it comes to the big picture stuff like that. Always appreciate your time and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. You got it. Thanks again to uh, Lugs. Always good stuff. Uh, brings the heat every time, and uh, we'll definitely take him up on his offer. Go go full-fledged, unfiltered, uncensored, and untimed uh, Tom Luganville next time that we have him on here on J.C. and Morgan. Um, J.C., last time you and I spoke, spring ball was uh, underway. It is now wrapped up. Uh, the rule changes, I think it, it just came up uh, on our phones when we were live on the air uh, last time. We'll get into some of that before we uh, take a trip to Hollywood. Um, the Colorado story, I think, is is fascinating in, in so many ways. I know you have some thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I just don't know how you're going to get back to where you need to be to be even competitive. Um Injuries happen. We know that. Uh, we know depth. Uh, and look, I agree with Tom. I mean, I watched, I said, it'll, I don't know if it was this podcast or another. I I know Tim Brewster, their tight ends coach uh, from way back. I know his son. We used to work together. He's, I call, I consider him a friend. And uh, so I'm watching Brewster's meeting with the team, you know, and, and, and he's getting everybody fired up and all that. Um, he's the tight ends coach for Dion out there. And I'm looking at that room full of players and, uh, let's just say none of, not a very few of them passed the proverbial eyeball test, Mike. Mm-hmm. And they sort of look like Lockport High School, you know, near <laughs> which is my our kids' school here. You know, I was like, wow, uh, they've kind of let things slip. But when you hire Carl Durrell, and that's your big plan, and and you know, you, you fire McIntyre, who actually won a division, and and you you hired Durrell or whoever else you've hired out there that's. Uh, I mean, I guess they had the one year of, um, oh gosh, the coach at Michigan State. Um, what's his name? We, who's the head coach at Michigan State? I, I, I know. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Now you just come on. Yeah, th- that's that's one of those mid forties things we're we're doing. Right really? Now on the if you didn't ask me, I would have told I you know, in, in two know, seconds. Yeah, we talked was, about him a hundred times yeah, the I know, last couple a of years. Million times, but uh, it. Um, but I guess so he had one year of him and then he bolts for, uh, for MSU and is making bank and, uh, it, you know, Mel Tucker, that's Mel it. Tucker. Thank you. No, no doubt. I, uh, SEC guy, you know, former Georgia D- Georgia. I saw him interviewed him yeah. when he was the DC at Georgia. No doubt. Uh, but she so had the one year of Mel Tucker. And then, so your answer to replace him was Carl Durrell, which was a, he was a very average coach at UCLA. I mean, you almost would rather have gone and hired Jim Mora jr. Uh, you know, who I think can actually coach. So, so it's been a series of terrible hires. 
out there. Um, and, and, you know, so you, you, you roll, you go all in on Dion and Dion gets there and it's, it's like, you know, there's not a lot of players and, and, and there probably wasn't going to be right. But the, I doubt they have a robust walk-on program either, Mike. I mean, so where, who is going to be doing the playing? I mean, that's my question. They've got enough for a two deep. Uh, and like Tom said, th- there's no, you know, they're going to pick off a couple of guys here and there in the portal, but the portal's about to close in four days. Um, and, and then it's just kind of is what it is and whoever whoever's out there. So uh, I, I don't know how they're going to be competitive. I, I like Shador Sanders, Dion's son, at quarterback. I don't love him. Um, you know, obviously Travis Hunter is an elite player, but, man, you need more than just a couple of guys. And I, and I, I don't know that there's – I'd be very shocked if his staff didn't realize that and Dion didn't realize that. But I also, like Tom said, I, I don't I don't know that that bunch out there is. Uh, I think you know they want to go get four and five star guys, and 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 that that's kind of what their expectation is. And, and some some staffs, like he mentioned, Kansas State, Kansas State has to be resourceful. They have to go find players that that are just as good or close. Uh, I don't know that that's the plan at Colorado. So. Uh, it could get ugly uh, this year, and because I I just don't know at this point how they're going to do it, uh, and 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 field a competitive roster with this much churn. And see, then the other problem is, Mike, if you go and you you just kind of take warm bodies, you're going to be right back in the same situation next <laughs> year, looking to upgrade. So you're you're having constant churn, uh, and 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 that's not a recipe for winning football games. Football football does require some togetherness and team and, and things of that nature, sort of like, uh, you know, we found out about with Texas A&M this year, right? And Miami, yeah. loads yeah. of talent on those two rosters didn't play together at all. You know, right. A&M, to their credit, they were competitive at times, but Miami, my God, you know, and they, so anyway, that's, that's just, uh, it's interesting. And then my other question is this. With Deion Sanders, and I'll pull, I'll pose this uh, to the audience: Is Deion Sanders just a helicopter parent who will like just get out after his kid graduates? Because <laughs> I mean, it, there was no discussion about who the quarterback was going to be out there. It was right. so, I'm, he introduced his son to the team and said, "There's your quarterback." Right. Uh, what happens when Shadur moves on to the NFL or whatever? And he's still building. I mean, he's a multimillionaire and a celebrity. Is he going to – does he have – I know he has a passion for coaching, and I do think there's something to be said for him as a coach. I think he did a great job at Jackson State and all that. But but what's the motivation? Is it your kid? Uh, and when he and when the kid leaves, what's, what's going to – are you, are you going to still have that desire, you know, and, and that passion? And is it going to be still be fun, especially if you're getting your head kicked in? Um, either in the Pac-12 or in in the Big 12, or the Big 12 Part Two, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. So I, I, it's interesting, very interesting situation. I think. Uh, look, if if there were a Vegas line, Deion Sanders three and a half years in Boulder. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm taking the under, and it's not just the. And you bring up a, a great point. I haven't thought about that. You know, is it all about coaching his son? No, I think if they're successful, Dion would love to hang around. 
I think if they're winning Pac-12 championships, assuming they're still in that league in two years, three years, I think he'd love that. Um, does he need the money? No, but I think he's he's on a mission and he's got a point to prove. Um, I've said all along, I think this is this is good for college football in the respect that it reignites a fan base and you could say even a part of the country. It mm-hmm. is like a reality show. I've made that analogy as well, and I don't mean that as uh, pejorative. I mean, I, I it, it's fascinating to see if this is going to work or not. This is this is better than last chance you, um, but it is somewhat experimental. Okay, I mean, you mentioned the job at Jackson State; they did not win that that conference. Uh, they did not win the championship. Right? They got there twice, lost both times. Um, they clearly had a talent advantage, which I actually know having done a few of those games, Miak Swag. I mean, not everybody was a big fan of Dion in that league. He mm-hmm. he created a little bit of uh a little bit of tension. Uh, a lot of the other coaches that have been busting their butts in that league for years are like this guy just again helicopters in based on his name with virtually no coaching background and he is the toast of the town and we can't give him enough national attention anything he does and if you watch social media during the spring game it was a love fest for Dion and people that could care less about Colorado football but they just love this whole idea and you know the national media is going to be is going to be rooting for him to succeed or going to be championing his cause um Uh, and you got Chris Fowler who's yeah, he's a Colorado alum, alum which yeah. is you know that's justifiable. I, I, like, I, I don't, expect, I don't blame him, you know, right? For but, being but fired up, and of course not. But there's going to be other people that could care less that are just going to be rooting for Colorado because it's yeah. Dion, and they're going to be yeah. rooting for that thing to work. <laughs> I um, love the cowboy hat too. I mean, cowboy hat's fantastic. So Dion's Dion's got swag. There's no doubt about it. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like that's none of that's going to matter once the ball is kicked. It's still and. and Dion is going to, I mean, he's going to farm out the play calling to the coordinators, right? I mean, that's that's not his thing. And and his main thing is shedding a positive light on the program and making sure people, that Colorado's cool again, like it was under McCartney when California kids were leaving Compton and going to Boulder. I don't know if that's, like, I don't know if that's all going to still sizzle 12 months from now. I really don't. Um, so it's, it's but but I'm gonna have a hell of a lot of fun watching. Like yeah, I, I, I want to see it. <laughs> I'll say this: I love his coordinators. I think I think he's got two fantastic. Sean Lewis, uh, who used to be the head coach at Kent, who's head coach at Kent State last right. year, it's been a hot uh, name sure for a while. Many people in our audience watched the Kent State Georgia game last year. When mm-hmm. you know, I don't uh, I, I don't think Oregon or South Carolina which ended up being two decent offenses last year, crossed the 50 against the dogs. Uh, Kent State threw up a mighty 22 points right. <laughs> in Athens. Uh, I, I mean, so I think he's fantastic. Uh, and I like their D coordinator too. And I mentioned Brewster. I think he's got a good staff. Um, so, and they've got a chance. The Pac-12 always, Pac-12 programs, uh, uh, and I know Colorado's not historically a Pac-12 program, but uh, they tend to rise and fall. Should be in the Big 12. Like I mentioned, uh, they won the when did they they won the division. They won the Pac-12 South in 2016 under uh, McCart uh, Mike McCarthy McCartney McIntyre. Sorry, McIntyre McIntyre. Who I believe Bill McCartney was their coach back in the day. But yeah, yeah, I believe McIntyre that year was like 
somebody had him as national coach of the year. Yeah. Somebody. Uh yeah. he won he won some awards and then like before you knew it, he was fired. Fired out. Yeah. And, I saw and, yeah. <laughs> and I've so, worked with uh I've worked with Chad Brown, who's a, a distinguished alumni, played many years in the NFL, and you know, I would ask him about what's gotta be done and it, I mean he, he he basically he was saying they've gotta they've gotta change their mindset on the way they you know what's what's allowed in recruiting uh how they approach that like they, they just got to get better talent they can keep hiring and firing coaches but they've they've got to be be able to do a better yeah. job in getting talent and that's the whole thing on Dion I mean like Dion's not there to draw up these brilliant plays that have never been come up in college football he is a okay I can relate to the common 18 year old four star recruit better than my uh, opponents can and therefore they're going to want to come here and we're going to start something that's just different than everybody else i, yeah, like, they're, I get they're the sales pitch recruiting wise they're in a situation similar to like nebraska uh where there's just not a lot of in-state i mean there's probably 10 guys in colorado and a lot of them go out of state uh and and when they were great they were going into california and texas and and, and pulling guys it's almost uh, they they almost have to recruit like Tennessee did under Philip Fulmer, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Where they're just picking off, you know, bloom, bloom, bloom. You, you look state to state, and you know, in the top ten, and, and you know, you, you got your usual suspects, and then boom, boom, Colorado picks off a couple of them, yeah. Um, and they 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 do need they need to recruit down south. I mean, they're they're really a program that has to recruit, uh somewhat nationally uh and, and get back to that for, the, the 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 texas and california formula boulder anyway. is a cool place i will say that i've only oh, yeah. been once did a football game there years ago and I, I loved it i went for a nike camp in june uh i'll always remember that trip because we were we we're at missouri the the day before and i had booked the wrong day for the flight for my crew <laughs> And we were on Frontier Airlines. I remember it was the only time I've ever flown Frontier flying from Kansas City to Denver. And uh, lucky for me, there were seats on, on the uh, the current day's flight. Nice. <laughs> I, but I, I'll remember it was June 1st, Mike, and I'm sitting there staring at the at – because the, it's right at the base of, like, the Rockies. So you look at this gigantic mountain with snow on the top and this breeze just blowing off of it. It's oh, And I'm like, beautiful. man, it is 90 and sweltering humid where I'm where I live but right now man this is a little piece of heaven so right uh, I I I and I I I I loved Colorado growing up when they were really good I mean it well was, and, uh, and the thing is too like a lot of kids love the small college town that also if you want to you can get in the car and drive to a nice big town that has all that yeah. that, that can offer and it's that's Denver suburb of Denver just like yeah. just like Norman is a suburb of, of somewhat City. of a of OKC, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's got a lot going for it. It's been a terrible underachiever for a number of different reasons. Uh, we'll see if they can turn that around. The the rule changes. Any thoughts on those? I'm against it. Well, I don't know. You may have a different opinion than me because of being in, uh, on broadcast and stuff. But I think anything that gives us less football, <laughs> less mm-hmm. plays, uh, I don't like. Um, yeah. Because we wait all year to see it, where you're only guaranteed twelve. Right. Uh, the other three hundred fifty three days, we're discussing the you know what out of it, and I just uh, Mark Rick said this because they 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 tried this in two thousand three, and it, it was almost egregiously fast uh, how the games were going, 
and Rick did, you know, he's kind of this understated, cool guy. He's like, well, I don't understand why we're doing this because the fans, they love football. Yeah, Pretty good Mark Richt impersonation. Yeah, you know, he just cool. You know how he's like cool all the time? Hey, he's super cool. Yeah. Uh, how's it going, Mark Richt? Kind of like football. It's been <laughs> pretty good to me. And I, don't, I don't understand why we're taking what you're talking about. Love. So uh, now it would have been a little worse had they not stopped the clock uh, inside two minutes, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, I think maybe a two-minute warning could come to college football since, you know, that they mm-hmm. want to try to do that, but it's, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I, I've never seen the need to speed up the game unless there's a game I want to watch. And the other game is like, you know, 30 minutes behind. Well, that's part of the, yeah. And, yeah. and you just hit on part of the reason why they're, let, like, let's be honest. TV is behind all these major decisions. Yeah. And too often what we have is you give football a three and a half hour window. And then if it goes three forty five, well, now the people are pissed off that want to watch that game and it's 15 minutes late. And yes, you can turn to the app or you can, you know, every network has an app now, but a lot of fans don't want to bother with all that. And they just want to be able to sit down, turn their TV on. It's on. I'm with you in the, in a key phrase you said, uh, total plays. See, if, if, I don't want to see less plays. I like plays. I'm there to watch plays. Um, I don't, where it comes, it becomes a concern is the dead time. I mean, that's the whole thing in baseball. Like baseball's fine. Just, you just had to get rid of some of the dead time. And they'd done that in the college and pro game. And I think it's a better product. I don't think we really had that problem in football. So I don't know if any of this was necessary. Uh, to me, stopping the clock on a first down is a, is a major part of the college game. And I realize they're, they're keeping it in the final two minutes, but I don't know how I feel about that either. Eliminating back-to-back timeouts, that should have been done years ago. We don't need that. Uh, and there was a third thing I, that was kind of inconsequential. I can't remember that they did to, uh, the, the rule modification. But the, the major one by far and away was to no longer stop the clock uh, on a first down, and that's that's obviously going to change some things. It'll, I mean, heck, the service academies are thrilled to death about this. Uh, oh, Navy yeah. football is is all in on this, um, but I I don't I don't know if we really needed it, and I'm not even sure how much time it'll cut off the clock. There's other ways to do it. I, I I've never met a person that says if only we had a longer halftime. Like NFL is twelve minutes, college is twenty, and again, I'm going to offend a trombone player or uh, you know the the big drum and the triangle guy and I don't whatever whatever else they do in the band. The, the triangle guy. The triangle guy, isn't there a guy that just sits there and dings the triangle? We need more cowbell. I got more cowbell. Uh, but I could could we not do fifteen minute halftime in college and still strike up the band? Like, do we really need twenty? Does anybody say, thank goodness? I needed 20 minutes for halftime. Uh, so if you want to cut shave time off a game, why don't you just start with that? That's my only mm-hmm. thing on that. I I don't think we need 20. Other than that, I I like you said, it's only 12 games a year. I I've I've never been one of those where oh this game is just too long. Uh, I and and no, I'm not just one that says that sitting from the comforts of my couch. Very often I'm working these games, and even working them, I never say. Oh, this is this has gone on too long. I, 
I don't think that's a problem. I think it's a problem in baseball. I don't think it's a problem in football or basketball. But nevertheless, this thing came and it was it was ratified quickly. It didn't seem like there was a lot of uh, debate or pushback. It just went boom. It's done. So there we go. We've got uh, we've got faster games i guess we'll see how that all turns out and if it changes anything strategy wise if they would have eliminated the two minute part of that rule now you're really messing with the fabric of stuff like that that would have completely ticked me off um but if we're going to keep doing this and why don't just go to a full-fledged nfl rules you know why don't you make it two feet in bounds instead of one foot since every rule seems to favor the offense anyway um why why don't we do that why don't we you know, again, go to an NFL closer to NFL halftime. Why don't we just change, add a two-minute warning, like you said, mm. just just go all in if you're going to keep inching toward that, because th- this is one of the biggest things differentiators between the NFL and college game, and you've just essentially uh, eliminated it. Okay, uh, we got time, real quick. I, oh, yeah. I wanted to do because we haven't done this in a while. Uh, the uh, the triple play of remote droppers, three movies for you today here uh, jc and the remote droppers are simply what it sounds like this movie's on tv you've already seen it you can't help but just watch it the rest of the way because damn it it doesn't have to be a good movie but it is very rewatchable no way out kevin costner gene hackman yeah fiverr dimer how many times have you seen it it's a it's a fiver for me Okay, I'm going Dimer on this. I think it's one of Costner's best roles, best movies. Very underrated flick. This is this is Costner at his peak. You had Bull Durham. You had uh, the Buffalo movie, which I never saw, Dances with Wolves. And, um, uh, gosh, you had uh, uh, Field of Dreams. You had the body. Like, he was on fire. He went on a, He went on a heater. And this was in the middle of that heater, and I don't think it gets enough play. No Way Out is a, is an app, and it's a really good movie. The old Double Cross. I won't spoiler alert it for you, but uh, he he might speak a little bit of Russian. Uh, cocktail. I've always said, JC, that Roadhouse is the best two-star movie of all time. This might not be far behind. This is not a good movie. This is not a good movie. This is a terrible plot. It's about two guys spinning drinks for crying out loud. And then they throw in this ridiculous plot where Coglin's law, he's 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 tr- he's trying to open up. He's an entrepreneur, but he's also a scam artist. And then he mysteriously commits suicide, spoiler alert, on a on a boat that I don't even think he owns. And he's got this incredibly hot Kelly Lynch uh, in her prime as a I think it's his girlfriend, but I don't know. And is she using him and she's hitting on Tom Cruise? There's a lot of stuff going on. But the essence of the movie is here's two guys that really make nobody makes uh, an old fashioned in a more entertaining way than these two people. It's not a good movie. And yet for me, it's a dimer when it's on. I can't help but watch. We lost. No, no, I'm here. I'm okay. Here. Uh, sorry about that. I muted my mic. I was uh, you're, you're coughing, you're sneezing. You, yeah, I was like, oh, I, Coglin's law: never yeah. cough in the middle of a podcast. Yeah, I had to. I had to put myself on mute there. But yeah, it's a <laughs> look. It's a it's a dimer for me, and I don't know why. Uh, except one thing. So when I was in fifth grade, I was kind of a rebellious fifth grader, 
and I quickly changed, as you well know, Mike, because you know me. Yes. Uh, and we used to be neighbors, and you've probably got a a good uh, <laughs> a good listen to my musical taste. So yes. Uh, yes. But when I, when I was in fifth grade, I was kind of you know ki- uh, people like Guns and Roses and Poison and uh, some rap and stuff like that. Well, I decided I was going to be rebellious and like the Beach Boys. <laughs> Really pretty wow. rebellious there, JC. Now the next year I got into Guns N' Roses and things like that and, and, and really all that. But that's kind of my thing. And so the, the, yeah, exactly. The, I know the, where the you're going. soundtrack to Cocktail, I had the cassette, you know, and I played it. Nice that song of Garuba, you know, Jamaica. And so that's yeah. maybe that's why I pick it up. But um, you know, I thought uh I thought Coughlin, you know, Brian Brown did a great job. I, it, it's one of my all-time uh movie mistake you know you're also talking about the guy that thought ray liotta was in terminator 2 for a long time uh you know <laughs> it'd be a better uh, movie if he was I, I thought it was robert Logia in uh in cocktail playing the uh, doug but that's not the case it's brian brown and i, I was corrected about that but uh robert robert Logia? robert Logia is one of my all-time favorite actors in the movie independence day which to me then you get the cash, Tony Montana. Then you get the cash. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, he was, he's a little weird in, 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 in Scarface, but he has the best line in, in Independence Day at the beginning when they figure out the aliens are there. He's like, "Give me the Secretary of Defense." Then wake him. I've still never seen that movie. Oh my god! I know, I know, Mike. I know, I know. I got to see the uh, program. Still, I'm obviously <sighs> behind on a lot of things. Independence Day. The first time I saw it, I saw it in the theater. I don't know if I'd like it to be honest with you. It. The first time I saw it, it was tense because it's plausible. It's yeah. like it's plausible up until the point. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's something that happens with Bill Pullman, who's the president. And the you got Will Smith in it too, right? Kind of, yeah, Will Smith. Before he it, slapped uh, well-known comedians. Jeff Goldblum is in and let it. his wife control his life and humiliate. Yeah, him. yeah. By the way, the Chris Rock stand-up on that subject. Awesome. Is- <laughs> we didn't talk about that. The Chris- I watched it live on Netflix. That is outstanding. Oh boy, collective like, outrage. Like- something I've talked about for years on this podcast and other platforms. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's and and what. what he- a- when he delivers the Ooh. knockout punch on Will Smith, Dude, it's brutal! Like, Whoa, man, it's brutal. But uh, right, anyway, in, right. yeah, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of relatively famous people that are in it, and um, you know, then some people that you never heard from again. But uh, Jeff Jeff Goldblum is really good, and Bill Pullman is is the president. But anyway, the late Bill Robert Bill. and Robert Loggia is like the the. the Joint Chiefs or something like, or, or Assistant Secretary of Defense, something like that. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, long story short, long story uh, co- short. I always cocktail. got cocktail confused. I've always thought Robert Loggia was in it, and he he wasn't. So I, I, I any any movie that adds Robert Loggia in post production, I think is a better movie. So uh, yes. uh, I'm all for that. Maybe we could have Robert Loggia as an opposing coach to Bud Kilmer in Varsity Blues. The final of the triple play of remote droppers. This is not a great movie either. Most sports movies are not, but for me, it's a dimer. John Voight makes it a dimer, playing the hateable, uh, disdainable Bud Kilmer. <laughs> Bud Kilmer clamoring another state title in Texas State high school football. Uh, it's it's so over the top bad in so many ways, and yet I can't look away. 
I'll say this, man. If you were writing a script and you were coming up with a coach's name, I mean, I want to pin a medal on the person that can't like, let's call him Bud Kilmer. Yeah. West Canaan well, High School. West Canaan High School, you know, mocks. I don't want your life. West West Canaan football might have been the highlight of your life, but of I don't life. want your life. I don't want your life. Uh, <laughs> there goes my hero. I mean, yeah, come on, man. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a dimer for me. Um, yeah, and 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 Billy your, Bob. You can, don't, yeah, don't lose sight on Billy. I did R. a deep dive. R.I.P. By the way, Billy Bob I, the actor yes. unfortunately passed so, away. I was doing a live show in Atlanta years ago, and somehow this movie came up, and we started talking about Billy Bob, and I kept going to my co-host, a tan! I give her a tan! <laughs> and and he kept laughing, and as we're going on the show, I Google Billy Bob, and this was right before he died. He was still with us. But you know, Billy Bob in real life, that was like his only role of anything. I think yeah. he's from Georgia, and he was huge, but he lost a ton of weight. After that movie, he lost it. You, yeah. you wouldn't even recognize him. And then he, and then sadly, Billy Bob. He's he's now the the pulling left guard somewhere up in the in the heavenly gates. Ron Lester was his name. Down at Ron 45. Lester. He's from Kennesaw, Georgia. Yeah, so, he's a Georgia kid. Uh, Georgia, and, Atlanta and, area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so, uh, but yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, that's a dimer for me. By the way, you mentioned Robert Loggia as a coach. He was uh, Wally Rigendorf, the defensive coordinator. <laughs> Uh, in necessary roughness. Yes, I forgot that Wally uh, Riggendorf. It's a classic role, Wally Riggendorf, uh, which is another great name for a defensive two. coordinator. If you were if you were going to write a name for a defensive coordinator, I would probably I would pat myself on the back if I came up with Wally Riggendorf. That's a great announcer name. I wish yeah. I could. Can I just change my name to Wally Riggendorf? Wally Riggendorf I, live here I, in Death Valley. Harry Carey and Wally Riggendorf here with you from Cubs Field. <laughs> Want to give a shout-out to Martha from Schaumburg. Today. Alongside J.C. Sherbert, I'm Wally Riggendorf. <laughs> Signing off. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. But there's so many things. You know, the trick play, which is just basically a – it's like a hook and ladder, but a hook and ladder yeah. to an offensive lineman. And, of course, nobody can tackle Billy Bob as he – with, you know, 27 concussions into the season, he's lumbering down the final – stretch to score the winning touchdown a lot of coaching uh curious coaching decisions quite frankly by coach Kilmer in this one and then you have a full mutiny by his team which we you know even college football we've had players that have kind of threatened this and have kind of laid down for a coach they want to see get fired this was full-fledged all in like we're going to quit on our coach and we will refuse to play the second half if he's out there uh Bud Kilmer played by the legendary John Boyd. All right, real quick, uh, I, I know we're way short on time, so I won't do a deep dive, but I did see a movie, Air, and I will mention this, uh, mm-hmm. good good sponsor, uh, because we love movies so much, Look Movie Theaters. They finally just opened this up in Brookhaven, which is a suburb of Atlanta. They're in Texas, they're in Tampa, they're across the country. It It's a movie, a beautiful movie theater where you can actually get great food and drink while you're watching the movie just delivered to you on your lap. So I'm all in. And by the way, we'll have tickets to give away. So the first one that tweets me, at Morgan on Air, you got a pair of tickets to a participating Luke movie theater. I saw the movie Air. You know what it's about, right, JC? You know it's Yeah, old... Jordan and Nike. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if I'd like this movie. I went in very cynical because I feel like I know the story and I don't feel like 
I mean, I look at Matt Damon and I look at the guy, Sonny Vaccaro in real life. And it's like, you know, yeah. is George Clooney not available. It's just, <laughs> it's just like it's a little bit of a stretch. And I don't know if 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 Sonny was quite as poetic in his uh, quest and his, his sales pitch to take to get Michael Jordan as Matt Damon was in the movie. And Ben Affleck can sometimes be a little bit cheesy and and you know i i don't know if he's the most likable actor at times uh but i will tell you this movie actually works i really enjoyed it i did learn a few things the performances are terrific is there a little you know creative license like anything in hollywood yes but if you like the 80s and 90s like their ability to incorporate all those things that we loved growing mm-hmm. up as kids in that era it's it's in this movie um, Viola Davis, of course, plays Michael's mom. Again, I don't know if Michael's mom was like Meryl Streep in real life, but it's brilliantly played. That was that was a big request, I believe, by Michael Jordan himself. Like, you need my mom to be played by this level of an actress. Anyway, long story short, I'm actually going to recommend this movie. Like, I actually think it was pretty damn good. And when it does get to the point that it's on cable, I don't know. I think it might be a fiver. I think I would watch this again a few times. I, I I was I was wanting to go see it, and uh, you mentioned uh, our sponsor, the, the movie theater or whatever. Uh, that's uh, look they movie have those, theaters. They they have those around here. Fantastic. Uh, it, it was kind of a new thing for me. I was like, uh, you mean we can go eat and watch the movie? You know, and drink. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Wanna, have a few cocktails. I mean, yeah. it's perfect. When the, when the shirtless scene and Top Gun Maverick came on, there was like twenty drunken teachers. <laughs> male and female by the way that uh that uh that just went crazy you know wow. it's kind of yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a cosmopolitan place but yeah they yeah. all walked in you could tell they had been at happy hours since school let out uh-huh uh, and they were just ordering margaritas you know, teachers teachers sometimes love margaritas and you know it's uh yes my mom's a teacher so i can say that but it's uh it's uh, it was something else. Teachers I mean, it was love a, margaritas. Yeah, but... something you could just tell it all been uh, ever since school let out. Oh my god! Oh my god! And then when the when the when the recreation of playing with the boys came on, they were like, "Yeah, oh yeah." <laughs> you know? Hey, if I taught school in Chicago, I would have twelve margaritas. Many a day. margaritas, no doubt. Yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, speaking of school, carpools yeah, you, coming up. Yes, right? you got to go. Uh, thanks to Tom Lugan, Bill. Thanks to everybody out there tuning in once again. We'll keep it rolling next week. For JC, it's Mike saying so long. I would do it in my Robert Loggia voice, but I'm afraid I would uh, sprain a few more muscles if I keep going to that impersonation. So just going to go regular here and just say goodbye, and we'll see you next time. So long, everybody.